0: Welcome in to another episode of Clearing the Board podcast. It's your host, Drew Archer, and welcome into episode 11. We're our second episode into double digits and have a good guest on today, Darren Kirkley. Darren was um, in a previous episode with Eli and I, and wanted to get him on for a full episode because he's full of a lot of great information and. Really, just a genuinely interesting guy with a lot of the things he's involved with. So, wanted to get him on for a full episode, and I think you'll really like it. Um, episode twelve coming in two weeks. Um, I announced last episode, and we're cutting back to every other Thursday. So, uh, not next Thursday, but the following episode, or the following Thursday, I will be doing a full Euphoria Greenville recap. I've mentioned Euphoria before, it's the Big Food Festival in Greenville, South Carolina, and I will be attending a few of the events, uh, hopefully getting some interviews with some different chefs from out of town, and we'll be incorporating that into episode 12, so be on the lookout for that. Um, But let's go ahead and get on started with Darren Kirkley. Alright, welcome in to another episode of Clearing the Board Podcast. Uh, it's me, Drew, back at you again with my uh, my good friend, my uh, my Carolina Gamecock friend, Darren Kirkley. What's going on, man? How much, man? How are you? Not too bad. Trying to stay cool with all this heat. <laughs>
1: we got some rain showers here that will cool you down.
0: Yeah, yeah, we need we need it here in the upstate, but uh, welcome back. Darren is one of, uh, I think, two or three people who've uh, made a second appearance on the episode. So uh I wanted to get you on just to have a, a solo Darren episode after the after the one in, in Charlotte at Johnson and Wells where it's kinda of more of a round table type discussion. I'm glad, glad to be back, man. Yeah. So um Darren, if you if you hadn't listened to the previous episode when, when we go back to culinary school, which was Darren's first time at Culinary School, um just kind of sat around and, and talked. But um, he is a uh, high school educator, a college educator, um, a man of many trades outside of that, um, which makes him that more interesting. So I, I figured uh, he's full of great content to have on.
2: There's a bunch of randomness
0: going yeah. on, that's for sure. It's a lot <laughs> of hustle. So, so both your high school teaching position and college position, you, you're back to school now, correct? Yep, that's
1: right. Started last week at both of them, so.
0: Is it, uh, would you say it's improved COVID-wise, protocol-wise from, from last year? Or is it kind of similar type things?
2: It's very, I guess it's very similar. It's, it is odd. I will say, like, this is the first semester um, at either of them, but, you know, post-COVID, we've been back in full capacity. You know,
3: yeah. Full occupancy, however you want to word that, um, in the classroom. So that's sort of interesting. Last semester at the university, I had like a class of
2: eighty, uh, but the classroom held like hundred and twenty. So it wasn't full, but it looked it looked full. Yeah.
3: Um. But like this semester, I've got a class of sixty four, and that's how many of the power marshal left in the room. There's sixty four <laughs> of them. So it's it's a little, a little shocking at first,
0: but I mean it's it's going well. I can't yeah. Complain. So, well, that's good. Hey. It's gonna be back, I will say that.
2: I enjoy it, so I'm glad to have everybody
0: back. Yeah, I uh I went back and have students for the first time this week and it was good to be back kinda in a normal normal type setting to be able to have more kids in the classroom and be able to have guest speakers and go to field trips and check out restaurants and that kind of stuff. So um definitely happy about getting back to the new norm well back yeah. to the, the old norm Right. <laughs> the, yeah. the original that's
1: is that, that's my only, there's always that fear in the back of
2: my head that's you know if it spikes too much
0: but yeah now here we have another variant out there at this point so who knows what is uh
1: we're gonna go through the whole greek alphabet
0: yeah yeah the, whatever the new one is it's like lambda or something. It, it reminds me of a sorority <laughs>
2: yeah that's what i'm saying it'll be the, all the letters yeah before too.
0: so uh But yeah, before we uh, continue talking about uh, education, why don't we uh, talk about our our beverages for today? Um, So uh, as I mentioned in previous episodes, this segment is sponsored by 13 Stripes Brewery located in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, Like I've said many times, my favorite brewery. And um, today I'm drinking the uh, Future World 15. It's their double New England IPA. It's a strong one. 8.5% 8.5% alcohol. Um, but check out the album artwork on our Instagram page of this one, because this one's really cool. I don't know if I showed you or not, Darren, but bright and colorful, purple, pinks, yellows, uh, but great artwork. And I uh, I spoke with the, the fine folks at 13 Stripes when I picked up beer this week, and they, they told me the person or the company – that did the artwork for, and I'm forgetting it off the top of my head, but I'm going to make sure I link it in the podcast info um, because all their artwork's amazing, um, and of course the beer's good too. So, That's all the Darren, you gotta have what, both. what you what you sipping on over there?
2: I got me, you know my my go-to beer. I got a RJ Rocker, son of a peach. Son of a peach, tried and true. I've always enjoyed that beer. Believe it or not, I actually used to go to beer
1: festivals and pour for them.
0: Oh, really? Yeah you come up to Spartanburg or just like wherever they'd have festivals?
1: They would have, um, I do Columbia mostly.
0: Okay. Uh, Columbia, Lexington. I did a couple in Charlotte. So nice. They, they paid me a beer. It was good. Hey, sometimes that's <laughs> quite all right. I've worked events where I've been at breweries and they're like, hey, you want to swap some food for some beer? And I'm like, you don't have to twist my arm. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to do the, the famous beer crack and we'll get going. Oh yeah, that's good. And th- this may sound weird. This may make absolutely no sense, but the taste matches all the colors on the can. If that me if that means anything, uh-huh. <laughs> it was really floral, um, kind of citrusy, and I don't know. I like I like the color pairing with this one side. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Darren teaches hospitality, and after spending some time hanging out with Darren and talking with him, I realized my perception of the hospitality industry and or in the, in the tourism industry is very different when, than what I actually thought. And I figured I could have him on to help kind of educate me on, on some of my misconceptions and, and just the things that I had no clue about. Like um, Darren reached out to me after the Greenville episode when I was mentioning the fact that Forbes had did a write-up about Greenville, and I was like, wow, that's awesome. Like, little old Greenville getting found by Forbes, and he texted me, and he was like, no, they didn't just find Greenville. Somebody from Greenville that works with the city or the tourism department and and reached out, and I was like, I guess I never thought of that, but that makes plenty of sense. If you could uh, summarize the the field as a whole, what, what would you summarize it to be? Oh, wow. That's <laughs> awesome. It's a a tough one.
1: Um,
2: I guess it's almost like the business side of travel. Yeah. How you look at it. It's, um, you know, there's a lot behind the scenes that go on. Uh, You know, I work for our tourism office here. Um, So my job is completely funded by like taxes on hotel hotel rooms. Yeah. Um, But I mean, our whole job is just to put heads in beds and to try to get you know, more people out there spending money
0: and doing things. Uh, So the more um, money, the more people come to, to the town, the more you're funded to be able to do more stuff. 100%. Yeah.
2: And it's just the money, the money is there to attract visitors. um, And it's a tax on visitors basically. Yeah. Um, So it just, it just keeps going through the cycle of whatever, you know, I always tell people, even when we have our board meetings and stuff, I'm like, if you see our advertisements, there's a problem. You should never see what I do. You should only see the people at the end who stay in the places
3: and see the hotel rates and the occupancy and the tax money go up. You, yeah. You should never actually see our advertising. It should be targeted to a whole different audience, a whole different market. So, um, and there's a lot of people that don't
2: see the full picture and don't understand, you know, but like I mentioned to you, when we bring in food writers and food critics and Instagram influencers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And take them out, let them see the area in hopes that they write about it and get coverage. Yeah. For your your area. So, you know, Greenville's done a really good job with that, uh, with their CBB. I think that's one of the words I threw at you. You're like, what's a
1: CBB? You know, it's (laughs) something in my class I teach on the very first day of class. You know, so it's just
2: funny how it's we all work together and we're all on the same thing. But the hospitality side the tourism side, there's definitely differences, but, you know, they work together and make
1: magic happen. So,
0: yeah. Some, you know, you know, something that's worked so closely together and I've been a part of and I had I had no idea what I did not know.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, it's one of those things, I mean, I never even thought about it. I mean, you know, I changed my major and everything. I mean, I was originally a math major. So once I found out this existed, I was like, oh yeah, this is more. <laughs> but I'm not you. I'm not a culinary guy. I think we saw that live and well at Johnson and Wells. I was like, oh, this guy has no clue what he's doing.
0: I don't so. yeah I would have had no clue what I was doing in your shoes either so you uh, at least uh kudos to you for showing up and at least trying so yeah, that was awesome. that was yeah. awesome so you you mentioned uh one of the, your goals is for like the people in the town that you work for to never see your advertisement because obviously I mean they're already there they live there it's not right. you're not targeting them and that uh, that just kind of triggered you being a, a South Carolina fan um, one thing I've always noticed at games in Williams-Rice Stadium behind the field goal post right there, I don't know if that's the locker room they come out where it says visit myrtlebeach.com or like the big Myrtle Beach advertisement. And uh, I don't know, that just kind of made me think of that. And, I mean, you got to think about how many people are watching on the SEC network and how many, how, that's got to reach a lot of people. And I, oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's two
2: schools of thought with that. I mean, there's definitely, you know, um, you don't want the money just to recycle in the same neighborhood. Um, you want that money to uh, be outside money. So from Myrtle beach,
1: it makes sense to get that advertised, even if it's in the state, you know, as far as their local tax and their local economy, Yeah, that's where it makes sense to try to get
2: that, that coverage out there. And so, yeah, so that's
1: done by the Myrtle beach that they don't have a true, they don't call theirs a CDB. There's just the chamber of commerce, uh-huh. um, but yeah, that's who runs all that visit Myrtle
2: beach. And, um, you know, they, they're the ones who do all that advertising. I know a few of those folks who work there. and Actually, the guy who was there a couple of years ago, he just left, but not just left, but he left there and is now uh, the director of tourism for Puerto Rico. Oh, wow.
1: So, yeah.
0: Wow. Now, this may be a dumb question, but a place of, and I'm using this term loosely, stature of Myrtle Beach, or at least its reputation and the amount of people that come there every year, um, do they have to put as much emphasis on advertising as somewhere else because they're kind of they're already already known and people they know people are already going to come there or does that vary yeah I mean yeah I know they I mean they've got competition Well, as well though I mean they've got the
1: steel they've got and it may not be competition within the state because I mean if you look at yeah. the product like Myrtle Beach and Charleston those are two completely different products you know yeah. Yeah, they're both Coast, but they're different products, different target markets, um, you know. But I think Myrtle Beach is still having to compete against the Virginia beaches or any of the Florida beaches. I mean, people still have a choice of where to go. Yeah. So you know,
0: it's sort of that out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Um, if you if you're not constantly, I mean, it's just like Coca Cola. Everybody knows Coke, but they still advertise. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, they've got to still be out there to people make that decision. They've yeah. To have that in their mind that yeah, I want
1: to go to South Carolina. Yeah, I want to go to Myrtle Beach. You know.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Coca-Cola. We were, we've been in Alabama this weekend. We got back earlier today and we were in uh Montgomery and there was a Bojangles right next to our hotel. So I got up yesterday morning to go buy breakfast for everybody. And, and got a Pepsi. yes, I was, I, I'm not a, I don't drink soda all that much, but when I do, I prefer Coke and Emily and a, a couple other people requested Coke and Diet Coke and go through the window, and they're like, Oh, is Pepsi okay? I'm like, I guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Bojangles contract all brand-wide is with Pepsi. So every Bojangles you ever go to is
1: going to be Pepsi.
0: Really? I guess yeah. I had never paid attention to that. I guess that makes sense because they, I, knew, I do know they always have Mountain Dew and they have the new signature Mountain Dew there, so I, I guess I didn't even think about that.
1: Yeah. So is KFC. So is Pizza Hut.
0: oh ah, okay. Yeah. So we're... this is the kind of stuff we teach in my room. It's, it's
2: totally different, totally random. We, it's, like I said, it's the business side of it all.
1: So yeah. Yeah. 100% we talk about those contracts and when you know, like with events
2: and sponsorships, and you know, you're not going normally, you're not going to see Budweiser and Coors Light. You're going to see one or the other because one's no Coors, one Bud.
1: So, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are times that they do have, and there are some you know, sepsis that role, but most of the time, it's one or the other, just like Coke or Pepsi.
0: Yeah. If
2: there's
1: an exclusive sponsorship there. It's one or the other.
0: You know? Yeah. So, one of the, one of the, the core things that I, that I think you do, and, uh, I remember when you, when you first told, um, Eli and I about doing like the secret shopping thing. Yeah. We were like, what? How did did you, uh, I think we had like a million questions. How did you get involved with that? What does that mean? How do you, how do you do it? Well, and how many times, how often you do it? And, uh, but I think that's something that, especially when you're doing your secret shopping with, with restaurants, um, obviously something that that I can relate to. And uh, I've enjoyed like whenever you, whenever you're, even if it's a fast food place, like the other week when you were at Arby's and you sent me a picture of the food and Kind of were talking me through how you critique it, but um, how did how did you get involved with with doing that kind of thing?
2: So totally random, and you know this could be a whole other six hour podcast. When I first started getting
1: into my whole points gaming kind of thing, yeah. Um, one of the ways you can earn Hilton points is by taking surveys. Uh, there's a company out there that instead of paying you for surveys, they pay you in points. Yeah, um, and so they. I, I, they used to at least hook you
2: up with other companies. You know, there's certain things I can and can't say, like I said, because I've signed paperwork about particular brands and products, and places, companies. Yeah. But, um, you know, they they basically referred me to another company that um, was basically looking for secret shoppers. Um, and so then I was like, hmm. So I started off pretty small doing it. Um,
1: you know, I started off doing a place, a restaurant, a yeah. whatever. Now, um, I probably do, I don't even know, man. I'd probably say I do
2: 25 to 50 a month.
0: Um, wow. So you're doing multiple in a day sometimes. Oh,
2: I'm doing multiple in a day, multiple. Um, Now, some of them are easy. I mean, I can't, you know, some of them are phone shops where I just call in and evaluate customer service of a restaurant or I call and make a reservation or I call. Nursing home facilities. I mean, everything. It's all across the gamut,
1: the board. Yeah. Um, you know, I have I have a fake name, so that's pretty <laughs> fun. I
3: have a fake email, a
2: fake name. I have a burner phone number and everything, so <laughs> um, so they can't figure me out per se. But, is that is um, that a
0: secret? Your your fake name and your burner phone number is that uh, a secret? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't give out my, my fake name, but you can email me. I'll give you that email address later. Um,
0: <laughs> did you get to pick your fake name? I did. I got to pick my fake name. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. And it's a southern name. It matches my my tone of voice, and you know, um, it, it's it's good. But yeah, it's it's all over the gamut, man. Everything from it's funny. Like I, I tell students in my class, I'm like, if I show up at your restaurant, like you better you better be on your p's and q's because you never know
0: <laughs> if I'm
2: there for real or if I'm there like. So, it, if it's I'm there for that, pleasure
0: or if I'm getting paid to critique you right now, exactly,
2: exactly. It's, it's fun though. I, I, some of my friends are like, well, I want to go do this. You know, there's, there's some places that we've done that are, um, you know, luxury, not luxury, I guess you don't say luxury, but five star, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, higher end places.
2: Yeah, the higher end state houses and stuff like that. We've had some of those. Um, I had a friend of mine who's a good tourism friend of mine who had passed, who's now passed away, but one of them, Three with me, and
1: um, she was a gosh, she loves some wine. I hate wine, we'll yeah. drink wine. <laughs> and uh, that company was actually rolling out a new
2: wine menu. And so, they were critiquing, they were wanting to make sure they were a chain as well. So, they were just trying to make sure that their locations were selling and upselling that wine package, yeah. And
1: <laughs> so, you gotta draw the
0: cool. line there. So yeah. and so you do everything from from secret shopping fast food restaurants to some nicer yeah, like restaurants. A, and like the other day you sent me a picture you were at a at a, a shoe a shoe store doing shoes. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's everything. And I will tell you, I mean again I can't say all the companies um, but uh, you'd be surprised even
1: how much those like quick service restaurants yeah. take that stuff seriously. Like um, you know,
2: thermometer and everything that they send me through drive throughs to get food to do the timing obviously to see how long it takes but then to make sure they're serving their food at the right temperature yeah you know, so um i mean that's pretty that was interesting even for me i was like wow like y'all really care you know they, they have set temperatures it's supposed to be and yeah i take, I take pictures of the food take pictures of the temp- thermometer all that kind of stuff just to to make sure it's you know at the standards it's supposed to be so
0: Yeah, one thing you're talking about, how fast food kind of takes that stuff seriously. I I think, honestly, fast food goes to more lengths to take it more seriously than most just standard sit-down restaurants. Um, Like I think, for the most part, fast food restaurants, their number one goal is, is to be consistent. And I think McDonald's, love them or hate them, it's probably the most consistent restaurant on the planet. You can critique their food quality or the flavor or whatever because I'm not a McDonald's person, but when I go to McDonald's, I know what I'm getting, um, right. and I, I think a big part of that is what you do and then checking up on it and making sure things run smoothly and and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, a
2: lot of ours, I mean, I'll say a lot of the stuff is not necessarily,
1: do you like it? the taste. A lot of it's not that, because I mean, their taste is their taste, right? They're not yeah. necessarily looking for that, but they do, they are concerned with, you know, does it look appealing? Because yeah.
0: obviously, um, I think I sent you a picture of that of a shop I was doing the other day. I went to two different restaurants. They were completely company, different. Exact, and it looked completely
2: different. Presentation's important, you know.
0: And, it was different um, packaging too, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, different packaging, even though it's not supposed to be. <laughs> uh,
0: so, I mean, it's, it's wild when you look at some of that stuff,
2: and like you said, they, you know, like they have me taking the temperature. Obviously, if I'm doing a casual dining restaurant or a fine dining restaurant, I can't without a beat the
1: moderator of the meal. Yeah. You know? but, <laughs> um, but you know, that's
2: it's it, it has de- definitely been a wild experience. You know, it's everything from, uh, and, and sometimes you hate it. You do. I mean, sometimes you may have a great server. Um, you know, some of them, you know, serving alcohol is a big deal. And, yeah you know, some corporations, some companies, um, take that way more seriously than others. Um, and some, you know, they have zero tolerance for not IDing people and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I've, you know, I have to report back on that. So you feel like I, I sometimes refer to myself as a professional snitch
1: and I I don't, I don't like that aspect of it because I'm a people person. I'm a hospitality person. I know it sucks for
2: all of us right now. And, Working is hard to get people. I do, but you know, the brand standards are there. The brand standards are there, and it's you know, you are getting paid to do a job like any of the rest of us, you know. Yeah, I don't write, like writing lesson plans, but you, you know, got to do one it. those things, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's it sucks, but you know, the, there's there's definitely some fun. I mean, granted, you get to go to some cool places and eat, and yeah, it's out there, and you know, whatever you sign up for what you want. Um, so if you if you Want to do it? Great. If you don't, that's fine. Um, you know, some of it can it can get costly. I can say that. Pre-pandemic, I was doing. Um, you know, I travel every weekend almost. Yeah. I'm in a hotel all the time. So pre-pandemic, there were a lot more of the hotel shops around. Um, but you know,
1: we'll see when they get back and what goes into them all that.
0: And and when you do something like that, and I I think you've told me before, and I can't remember, they um. Do you get reimbursed for whatever you go there and spend, or yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. So,
2: depending on, I mean, it totally depends on the shop, the place, the company.
1: Um, truthfully, I work for about 15 different ones. <laughs> um, so like
3: I said, you never know where I'm gonna be or what I'm
2: gonna do, or if I'm just there
1: being myself, from I'm yeah, critiquing a place. Um, but, um,
2: it depends totally on how much you can spend, how much they reimburse. Some of them actually pay you. You know, money in addition to it. Some of them don't.
1: Uh, they just reimburse you for your expenses and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, i got some cool trips. You know, like you know,
2: you got work to do. I mean, you're working, so don't think it's just you get to go there and do what you want to do. There are rules and regulations and things you got to do.
0: Um, but overall, it can be pretty good. Yeah. Side day, You know. Not not recommended for for date night. <laughs> no, I mean, no. Whipping out like for mom at the table. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh,
2: you got to order this certain
0: entree, and you can't order the same entree I do. And uh,
1: but you know, there's it just depends. But it's good. Yeah. The only thing is, um, you know, you do get reimbursed. It's just each company's different how they reimburse. i handle you. it. So you, you know, it sounds great. You get a four hundred dollar free hotel stay, uh, but you may not get reimbursed for that hotel stay until a month later. Yeah. You're floating that money, yeah. Um, so
2: you just got to make sure you keep your finances in, in check, you
0: know. Oh yeah. So whatnot. so doing this, I, I guess when you're 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 rating restaurants and and doing that kind of stuff, that that's giving you probably a lot more insight and knowledge than you probably thought you had, kind of into the restaurant industry. Because I know okay. whenever we were at Johnson Wells, you were kind of downplaying like. Uh, being scared and not knowing anything, but I think you know a lot more as a result of like doing this job um, than you realized. Did oh yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has opened my eyes to you know the whole how important the, the culinary side. I mean, I didn't have not that I didn't have an appreciation for it; I just had no background
2: in it. You yeah, I've always been on the, the front of the house side, and um, you know, you know, especially my background originally was in event management. Mm-hmm. Um, before I went to tourism, I, mean, I produced the festival here for 11 years. So um, I was used to that side of it. I just didn't know, you know, how much what mattered and how much it mattered to
0: restaurateurs and their operators and their parent companies and all that. Yeah. It definitely
2: opened my eyes to seeing
1: what's that, what expectations really are out there.
0: Yeah. Know? So you're a big tourism guy and I know you travel I, I when we were together last, year, you were kind of scrolling through Facebook or something where it kind of showed your, your memories. And for like three consecutive years, you were at a, a different country somewhere traveling and that kind of stuff. Where, where's been uh, your favorite place you've traveled? Ooh, um,
1: I don't know the answer. It's <laughs>
0: changed. I mean, everything's
1: changed so much. Yeah. Um, I guess they're so different, too. I don't know. I mean, probably somewhere in Europe. Um,
2: I wish I was back in Europe, truthfully. I wish it was easier to get there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I enjoyed Rome a lot. I know that's pretty basic, but Rome and Sorrento. um, Sorrento, that is just beautiful over
1: there. Um, I I guess it'd be one of those. I I think about, like, I I think I told you this. Like, when I was getting my... Degree, I didn't study abroad on Royal Caribbean. Yeah, completely different experience, but <laughs> so much fun. You know, like it was so much fun. I wish,
3: I wish I still had some of that college life left in me. You
2: know, who thought they could get six hours of their master's degree on board a ship? But
1: I did it. You know, so.
0: My, my high school culinary teacher I, he did something. It wasn't with one of the bigger brands like Royal Caribbean or Carnival. I don't. I think it was a smaller cruise line. But for a year or so, two years, he did that. And he, I remember him, like, telling us about it when I was in high school and promoting it and talking about how it's a cool way to travel and cook and that kind of stuff. And then my family enjoys going on cruises. And as I got older, started paying attention to everything that was going on. And I realized that the same person that was serving me breakfast – was also clearing plates at the lunch buffet, and also a server at dinner. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna pass on that. Yeah, the <laughs>
1: hustle, man. Like the cruise ship industry, that's
2: that's a lot of
0: work and not a lot of downtime. Yeah, you know? I, it's. I mean, I think you know, I think they really do struggle. I mean, you very
1: seldom, and again, I could go into all this, but you know. Most of those ships are registered in foreign countries, mm-hmm. and they have a huge international workforce. Um, but that's—they're registered in
2: those foreign countries, so they don't have to follow American labor laws.
0: That's what my always was my assumption that they didn't have to follow labor laws, and I guess um, minimum wages and and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: I think it was Norwegian. I think it was NCL.
2: Ship for a short period of time that was registered in America and it just wasn't profitable. I mean, there was no way they had to cut it because I, mean, I think they just ended up registering in another country. But yeah,
1: it just didn't make the revenue that it needed to make because they. I mean, this the regulations here in America are so different.
0: Yeah. So we get past all these sorority variants of the COVID virus. Where's the Where's the next big place you want to travel to? Mm. Out of the country. It could be. Know. It could even be here in, in the U.S. Well, I mean, I'm going to New
2: York next month. So I'm Are going. you? Yeah. I've got, a, I've got a conference in New York City next month. I'm excited about it. So, um, I've been going to it now. I'll tell you a funny story about that one too. I've been going to that conference probably about three. This will be my fourth year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all the big wigs of the travel and tourism industry. So it's sort of like set up like a TED Talk kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and they bring in. The CEO of Royal Caribbean, the CEO of Hilton, the CEO of Marriott, and it's 20, 30 minutes. of just them sitting on stage talking about the industry, their business, what they see going forward. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's called There, I mean, I, I love their brand, their company. I bring that stuff all the time into the classroom that they do. Yeah. Because um, it's just, it's awesome. So, yeah, they're limited at this time to, I think, 300 people, or normally they have right at 2,000. So... Oh. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm so you were
0: one of the lucky uh, three hundred.
2: Yeah, I'm one of the few, but that's that was the funny part. Um, I was there last time. I was standing around.
1: I didn't know. I don't know a lot of people. It's New York. I'm from Like of all places. Yeah, <laughs> and um, there was a a guy who came up to me
2: and he said, "That's funny." And he's literally pointing at my name badge, and I was like, "Huh?" He's like, "That makes sense. They'd send you in here." And I was like, what, what are you talking? Like, I had no clue this guy was talking about. He's like, dude, I know you work for Skift, and they just have you scoping out everything that's going on, like, secret shopping this thing. And I was like, I mean, I thought it was funny, because, hey, I do it all the time. But I was like, no, no, I'm not.
1: Like, huh? He's like, your, your name Texas Central High School. That's so basic.
2: Like, who, who, who would ever have, who would be here from Central High School?
0: I was like, I really
2: am, dude. Like, I, I totally I teach
0: tourism.
2: <laughs> he was convinced that I was totally fake.
0: He thought he found t- the mole. <laughs> yeah,
2: he, he thought I was figuring them out. He was, you know, I forgot what company. I think he worked
0: for Seabound or something like that, but it was funny. I was like, nah, man, this is totally, totally
2: real. You know, I guess it did look funny that said high school on it. When I was 30 something years old. It was like, <laughs>
0: well, thought you were just like a, a student just along just to check things out. <laughs> so you, uh, you mentioned, uh, Oh, can you hear me? That gummit. All right, stop. There he is. Yeah. Did you me? For some reason, my internet's been messing up today. We we got back into town from from Alabama, and we st- started playing. Emily put on Bob's Burgers, and it just it started playing, and then just stopped, and then just nothing. So I, I thought I it was gonna
2: be Matt. That's what I said about the rain, and I was like, "Oh God, if you know, sticks. You know, rain may take out your internet signal." So I was like, "Oh God, is this my
0: computer? <laughs> nope?" That was me, and this this happened uh, the last time I did a Zoom one of these with Matt. So really? uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll edit all this out, and we'll hear the little chip bite thing, and we'll be uh, we'll be good. So. um I think what I, I don't even remember if I even started to say it, but I, as you were talking, you, you mentioned having the CEOs of Hilton and Marriott and that kind of stuff at, at this conference. Well, and I remember it might've just been on Facebook that I saw a message like uh, to the shareholders or something or other from the CEO or president of Marriott. Yeah, and this was, I, I it. that uh, might've been you then how I saw it. Um, it was early on in the pandemic too. It wasn't very long into it. And he was talking about how like economically, like it was far worse than 2008 and yeah. and nine, and the nine all that stuff. And I'm just thinking back, like that was over a year ago. I remember hearing that.
1: Yeah. He's since passed away.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh God.
2: If, if you remember that, he, um, I mean, that was crazy. That was a crazy time for that. I mean, I'm not a Marriott guy just cause I'm a Hilton Points guy, but yeah. Uh, you know, but, I mean, that's why I shared it. Like, I mean, he. I mean, I have nothing against him as a company. It's just I feel like you got to pick a team. But, um, you know, he he, his message was strong. You know, he. I, it sort of sent chills to me because he was right. Like, how much it, you know, they're a major, man. People don't know that. But they're a major, like, the Hilton and Times Square. It's gone for good. Like, really? It, it's gone, yeah. And Marriott had a brand in Times Square, too. I think it was an addition hotel. I think that's what it is. But, anyway, it's gone. I mean, we saw... Especially on the, the hotel side of things, man. I mean, restaurants did too. I'm not trying to steal any thunder from that, but it, it was, you know, I think the hotel industry has changed forever. It has. I know that sounds cheesy, but I mean, housekeeping is a thing of the past. You're not going to get housekeeping anymore. I mean, we talked about that in Charlotte. Like, you know, it's there's going
0: to be some permanent changes that came with this. Some good, some some bad, you know? Yeah, and I completely forgot. we we were out and about in Montgomery yesterday, supposed to go see a Montgomery biscuits baseball game. And it got rained out, but we got back to our room and like the maids didn't come. Our bed's not made. There's no, and I completely forgot about how, when we were in Charlotte, you had mentioned that at least with Hilton, we were staying in a Marriott property actually this weekend, but, um, you uh, no, I didn't book the room. Okay, okay. My room was courtesy of someone else. So. Okay, okay. Um, but I completely forgot about that, and that makes sense now we didn't I guess we didn't even ask, but um, and yeah, you're talking about things that have changed like I remember when we checked into to the double tree in Charlotte, like there's like it wasn't saran wrap, but it was like a plastic wrap thing around the remote, and there was like a sanitary like wipe to wipe down things and um yeah i'm I'm definitely interested to see how much. Changes um, in in all industries. Like uh, my buddy Daniel was on the podcast a a while back, and one of his his eighty six of the week was the QR code menus, and I think a lot of restaurants are actually going to keep those, Um, whether you like it or not. I think that's like a thing because I went to probably three restaurants this past weekend. We were in Birmingham and or Montgomery and had QR code menus on the on the table. yesterday for lunch up in NODA, Um, literally
2: one block from where all of us ate, you know, we were at culinary school, and um, that's what they had. It was permanently on
1: a little table tent. you know, here's the QR code, here's the drink menu, here's that. I mean,
2: you know, I mean, even for the restaurants, I guess, there's some cost-saving techniques there. If I'm not having to reprint the menu or, you know, something is 86 or anything like that, I can instantly update it. On a website, way cheaper, way easier than reprinting all the menus or providing menus that look, you know, tacky
0: that have things with lines drawn through them or somebody orders something and you don't have it and it causes a bad experience from the get-go Yeah, that's automatically
2: a turn-off for a guest if they look at the menu and want this and then they can't get it, you know?
0: Yeah. On that same kind of topic... One thing I like about going to, like, breweries and places that are more, like, centered towards the beverage side of things, whether it's a winery or brewery or whatever or tap house, but, like, having your draft list on, like, a TV or an iPad to where, like, it can be updated instantaneous and, like, when that keg kicks, you can take it off the list and you don't have to worry about anybody ordering it because as a customer, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is ordering something They're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. And then they come back two minutes later, and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, we're out of that." Yeah. Um, which alleviates still a lot of that of kind places of.
2: Like, link, link it to their um, untapped
0: and have that on their screens, yeah, of what their what their brews are that they have,
2: all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see long term what stays and what goes.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of Daniel's eighty six from a couple weeks ago, I guess we should. Uh, Dig into our 86 of the week. So here it is. Insert chip noise. All right, so you want to uh, do your 86 first or shall I? I definitely
2: can do it. It's probably a sensitive topic for some people, but um, I'll take the heat. Feel free to shoot me an email. Um, (laughs) But uh, I absolutely want restaurants to get rid of paper straws. I don't know. I, I've heard, I know the whole sea turtle debate, the whole saving the environment. And I'm not, I'm not one, I'm not a guy out there against it. I'm not. But I cannot stand, unless somebody can make a paper straw that doesn't dissolve
0: and doesn't eventually get soft, you know? Yeah. Um, I
3: can't stand
2: a
1: paper straw.
0: No, nor, nor can I. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Actually, the restaurant I work at, we have paper straws. However, um, very few people actually even ask for them like we have glass water and and wine glasses and beer glasses so, and for a customer dining in, we very rarely use them but um, I uh, have a expensive Starbucks habit. Um, I get I get the largest iced coffee they have, Trenta and what I get ends up being like 405 or 425 depending on which Starbucks I go to. And I've started to notice they've started, it's not every time, but every other time or so, they start slipping in a paper straw in with my drink every time, every other time. And I absolutely hate it because, I mean, I get that massive coffee. Yeah. It's taking me, I, I'll sip on it for two to three hours. And by the time that's going, like it's soggy and gross. And not to mention the paper straws that Starbucks serves. Is too big for the hole on the top of the cup. Like you have to like smush it on the bottom just to like wedge yeah, it in there. But huh. no, nah, I'm with you on the paper straws. I think it changes. I don't know. It may be a
2: totally uh, my thing too. I think they have a, a flavor. I don't know. That's, yeah,
0: that's tastes like, like trees. A piece of yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember. I remember kind of see it coming um my buddy lives on mount pleasant and i think they were kind of one of the first places um in the state to kind of spearhead like the the plastic bags no styrofoam cups and paper straws and that kind of stuff and and then it's kind of slowly worked its way up here and i don't i know i know there's the sea turtle thing like you mentioned but like is that the biggest problem is that not to downplay the sea turtles because I, I like the sea turtles, but is it as big of a problem as humans are making it out to be—the the straws themselves getting stuck in sea turtles' nose? Uh, because I know we have a huge waste problem as it is right. on this planet, styrofoam being one of the biggest, and you just got cups floating out there. Like we just have a trash problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of those
1: pictures are crazy that you
2: see what's been dumped in the ocean. I mean, they are. I will say that. But like you said, I I just.
0: Is straws just the easiest, like way in? Is that I, I, how did we settle on straws? To yeah, to be our. It's just like I said, it's
2: automatic turn off for me. And it's you know, like if I get a diet coke or whatever, I, I, I don't, I don't know. If funny you mentioned that, like I'll drink straight out of a beer glass all day, but if I get a
1: diet coke, I, I want a straw.
0: Yeah, switching gears from from my eighty six, I am gonna, I am gonna do something I don't think I have done since I've had this podcast, and I am gonna actually call out a restaurant. Um, uh, somebody's about to get some heat. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. I know. I have millions of listeners. So I probably have some folks in Alabama that that may pick up on this. But like I mentioned, we were in Alabama this weekend, and um, Friday worked all day. Didn't get on the road till five o'clock. Leaving from Greenville, driving to Montgomery. Hit obviously got to go through Atlanta, and got got there around ten thirty eastern standard nine thirty central time and we got there saw saw our, our uh our family that we were meeting there and we just wanted to go relax have a couple of drinks hang out and uh first first place we go to um uh, was too small and too loud which i'm glad that they agreed not to go in there because i hate small and loud places um and then we ended up on this place that i was actually excited about before we went in because it i don't know it kind of came off um Buffalo Wild Wing vibes, but a more local version. Um, And as I looked on their website a minute ago, they have quite a few locations uh, all over the Southeast. You may have even heard of this place, but it's called Walk-Ons. I I sent it to my brother who went to Auburn, and he said he had not heard of it. But when I pulled their map, they have quite a few locations across the Southeast. But I don't know. I was kind of excited about it. It's got like a Louisiana-style feel to it. Like, it's called like... Walk ons Bistro, sports bistro. And you know how like the Cajuns, like they'll anything that ends in O, they'll try to in a cheesy way end it in E A U X. So Bistro is spelled like that. And but uh we were mainly just there just for the company and to grab some beverages after a long drive and one of the worst service experiences I've ever had in my life. It was absolutely horrible. Oh I, yes <laughs> we walk well, so we walk in and um, it's not all that busy it's a Friday night um, seemed like a lot of other places we drove by were really busy and maybe that should have been our telltale sign but um, they had like a million TVs in there with with SEC Network playing old games and preseason football and all that and so I was like oh this is awesome and we were really just getting like snack foods to eat we weren't getting meals and We walk in and the there's like everybody's crowded around the host stand and the host is trying to do her job and like kids are kind of getting in the way and just not doing their thing. And I was like, whatever, these are just high school kids. I'm not going to bother with it or whatever. Then we get this server comes up and I don't know if it was like a... Like a dialect difference, because my wife and I obviously South Carolina, but uh, the people we were with um, live in Portland. Uh, one of the guys was actually originally from Argentina, so at first I just kind of chalked it up as just the communication was difficult. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then as as the just the encounters continues, I think it was just this server was just not trained well at all, to put it nicely. Okay. <laughs> Like, we were getting simple things, and, like, we all ordered a round of drinks. Our drinks got brought one at a time. Like, it was not busy at all. Two of the drinks were draft beers. The two draft beers were the last, and it took us, like, ten minutes to get our draft beers. But the mixed drink that took more time came first. We ended up getting, like, French fries. I was like, hey, when I ordered, I was like, hey, can I get a side of ranch with those fries? She's like, Yeah. The fries, first of all, took forever. When they brought the fries, they didn't have ranch with them. And so I was like, hey, can I can I get the ranch? And it was like, the way she reacted, she was like, she remembered. She's like, oh, yeah, it's coming. She didn't say that, but it like, she gave off the vibe like, yeah. I know it's not here right now, but it's on its way kind of thing. And I was like, okay. Ranch never came. I had to ask her a third time and then like, every, so basically it was like every time you needed to order something, just be prepared to wait 20 minutes. The second beer I got, I went ahead and told her, Hey, go ahead and can I, can I have another beer? And she looked kind of confused because she just handed me one, but I'm like, at at this rate, we're going to be here forever. And then wow. like they closed at midnight and, um, are basically like forcing us out of the restaurant, like cleaning up everything. Like, they're pre-setting silverware for the booth we're sitting in, but they're setting it on top of the booth, above our heads, so, like, not saying anything, and, like, reaching over our heads, setting it on top, and then, like, grabbing all our stuff, and this was, they started doing this almost 45 minutes to an hour before they closed, and it's, like, pushy things that I've come to know in the restaurant industry is, like, hey, get out of here, but it was, like, an hour, 45 minutes before they closed kind of thing, and 20 minutes before they closed, it was, like. A lady who I would not seen, was not our server, comes by. Okay, y'all have a good night. Oh, okay. And I, like, look at her. And I'm like, y'all still open for 20 minutes. Did and I, I said, I don't know if she heard it. She was walking out. She had her purse in her hand. Uh, she might have been out on uh already, but just the the service was absolutely horrible. I was very disappointed. And,
1: and they're a chain. So they a are a
0: chain. Them. They are chain and somewhere that I was kind of excited about trying because I knew nothing about them went in there with high expectations. Like it's a beautiful restaurant. It's a cool sports bar. Um, but the service was just absolutely horrible and it was just, and honestly just became like comedic at how bad everything was. And, uh, so I am 86 and, uh, walk on, which I've even, this, the name I found I liked because you love college sports with the kids who yeah. don't get the scholarship walking onto the team and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, uh, so after, uh, after much debate, I've, uh, decided to call out walk on, uh, sports bistro. So, yeah, well, um, uh, I appreciate you being willing to come on. I know, uh, it's not ideal with the, the zoom recording and a tight no, window okay. on a Sunday, but, I appreciate you coming on.
1: Nah, thank you for for having me for sure. So yeah, just be
2: on the lookout if you hear this accent ever. Come through a phone line or into a restaurant.
0: He <laughs> us. you never know what I'm up to. <laughs> now do you ever do any of those through to go? Which I think actually you said you do to go sometimes, don't you? Like drive through? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I've done yeah, I've done order
2: online, um, you know, I've done calling your food, I've done drinking
1: you know, those obviously, those they have no clue, especially drive-through. It's yeah. too late. I mean,
2: that's they have no idea who you are, what you're doing. Um, you know, and I've done them all over. I mean, we've gone. I was in Baltimore a couple of years ago for work and did some up there. So it's it's not just exclusive to where you stay. It can be anywhere where you stay
1: or play. You know. So yeah.
0: Now they may do this, but I'm gonna throw out a suggestion of these restaurants that are late night type places. Do they have late-night secret shoppers?
1: It's funny you say that. So I won't
2: call the brand, but it's funny you say that. Um, there's a brand that I shop for. I know some of their people at corporate. Um, and they do not. Um, most of them, uh, if I spoke for dine-in, I mean, this place is open until 2 a.m. Um, and I've told them a million times. Like, because staff gets aware. All right? They know that they haven't been shopped this month. They know it's coming. They know. They have some of them have to have a break or a lunch and a dinner or a bar shop. I mean, they know. It's,
1: yeah, they figure you know, out and the system. time,
2: they pick up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, y'all just need to like blow their minds one month and just do something just totally focused. Don't have these strict guidelines of what to order and how to order and how many people. Just let it go. And I
1: yeah. guarantee you, you get some stuff. Now, the now some of these drive-throughs do have late night. I will say that. Yeah. And um, heck, right now, Quick or some of them, all they will have open is... Drive through.
0: So, um, but yeah, they some of do, but not enough, I don't
1: think. Yeah. So, what's your, what's your so
0: idea? I, well, I, I think that late night needs to be a part of the secret shopping because, um, there's some places that late night after enjoying a beverage or two just hits different. Yeah. Then you go there late night and the the quality of everything from food to service is very lacking and, I think I think there's a lot of uh, slacking off come midnight, one a.m. at some of those places that they would definitely, uh, I think, enjoy seeing the results of a secret shop. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I agree. Actually, there's there's there's
0: not enough of it. Which making somebody secret shop at one a.m. is maybe a hard ask. I don't know, but uh, I mean,
1: you sign up for it if you want it, so it's up to you.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: maybe it's just one of those adventures you get to do. And be like, hey, we're gonna do, do this, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you again, and uh, yeah. I'm actually I, I've got to get out of here so I can go to our beer sponsor, Thirteen Strikes, meeting some uh, some uh, people I used to work with for some some good beer at Thirteen Strikes. So uh,
1: must be nice. Oh yeah. Well, one of these days I'll come up there. We'll go up there together.
0: Yeah. Next time you're in town, we will check it out. Yeah. Well, thank you again. All right, peace.